We tend to think that working hard is the key to success. But did you know that research shows that playing hard is actually a great success strategy? Coming up next on the Successful Women Think Differently podcast, I am talking to my friend, Dr. Elaine O'Brien, co-author of The Power of Play, Maximize Your Joy Potential. Now, listen, I'm going to tell you a little bit more about Elaine, but I am so excited because you might remember in one of my recent episodes, I talked about happiness triggers and I didn't share all the happiness triggers, but one of my favorites is play. And it's something that particularly as women, we often don't tap into enough. And Dr. O'Brien, I just call her Elaine, um, has just some really great practical advice they can help you look at play a bit differently because oftentimes I think we see it as kind of a, a side note, something we do once we're you know done with all the hard work. But in reality, all of us should be thinking about how to incorporate play into our everyday lives, our work, our personal relationships, and it simply makes life more fun. This episode of the Successful Women Think Differently podcast is brought to you by the Coaching and Positive Psychology Institute, or the CAP Institute. Have you ever thought about becoming a coach or learning coaching skills as a part of your role as a leader? If so, check out the upcoming live virtual coach training intensive September 9th through the 11th. You can get all the details at capinstitute.com. If you've landed here on this podcast, then I already know two things about you. One, you've probably already accomplished amazing things. And two, you're interested in learning more about improving your personal level of success. This is the Successful Women Think Differently podcast, and I'm your host, Valerie Burton. I'm a personal and executive coach, best-selling author of more than a dozen books, and founder of the Coaching and Positive Psychology Institute. Are you ready to close the gap between where you are now and where you really want to be? Then let's dive into today's episode. So Dr. Elaine O'Brien, actually, uh, she and I met uh, 16 years ago as we were starting graduate school at the University of Pennsylvania in applied positive psychology. We were in the same class together. She went on to get her PhD from Temple University in kinesiology and human movement psychology. But she's also been a health and fitness industry leader. She worked with IDEA, Health and Fitness Foundation, and industry leaders in the design of the first fitness industry leadership standards, safety, and certification guidelines. She has had an amazing career. Um, back in the day, <laughs> I'd love to hear a little bit more about this, Elaine, we've talked about it over the years, but it's pretty amazing what you did being a national aerobics championship judge, trainer, liaison, um, just absolutely, uh, you've had a life that has been all about movement and fun and play and helping people to find their joy. So thank you so much for joining me, Elaine. How are you today? I am so delighted to see you, my dear friend, Valerie, and you are an exemplar of play to me. You just, I'm looking at you, you look so beautiful. Your outfit is stunning, and it is truly <laughs> a joy to play and 
be with you today. Thank you. You know what? I thought, you know, let's wear something that feels a little playful <laughs> while I'm interviewing. <laughs> Elaine, congratulations on the book. It is so good and so practical and so filled with, it's the practical tips, but it's backed by research, which you know um, is what I love and probably one of the things we share in common is we love to share things that are backed up by the research. But what led you to decide to focus in specifically on play? It was kind of organic. Um, I was working with my co-author, Andrea Seidel, who is called The Book Doula. So I was working on a book about positive movement, and I'm still working on that book. And, and um, it's about transcendent movement, using your healthy body to help yourself and others and the world. And what happened was we started talking about play and we were having so much fun. We decided to shift gears and to write about that. So it just, it took about 14 months and again, backed by research. And I think one of the things I love most about it is just how it, it, it just, Angie comes from a more playful background. Her mother would make games and my mom sadly had mental health issues. So by combining our are um, joining forces. We are able to lift ourselves up and hopefully share this this message about the joy that we can find through play, the fellowship, the community we can find. When you say I exemplify play, first of all, I take that as a huge compliment because <laughs> you know when I first took my uh, the Via Strengths uh, Assessment, the Character Strengths Survey, which is kind of the the, the central strength survey in positive psychology. I was super disappointed because out of the 24 strengths, okay, play was like number 17 for me, humor and playfulness. Um, and I thought, I think I'm playful. I think I'm funny. <laughs> <laughs> but I also have this very, uh, there's a seriousness about me. And I joke that I married the strength that I wanted because my husband, Jeff, I had him take the strengths assessment. Now this is going to sound funny because we were dating, but I was like, I want to know your strengths. <laughs> <laughs> I had him take the via and the strengths finder, but humor and playfulness was at the top. And when I wrote Happy Women Live Better, you know, we created a, a happiness trigger assessment with that. And what came up as his top trigger? Play. And I see it in everything he does. You know, he trains pilots. He's always looking for ways to incorporate games into doing that. If we're doing homework with uh, with Alex, he comes up with playful ways to help him remember things. And I admire that so much because that doesn't come so naturally to me. So for the person who's like, I, you know, play sounds nice, but it feels foreign or it, it feels hard. What do you say to them about the power of play? Yeah, I, I have a couple of thoughts. Well, first, it's so surprising, again, that your play was like low on these strengths um, scale the, the via strengths assessment. I think it's time to retake it because as a, it is. a, a friend, I worked on bringing it up. <laughs> I'm sure it's higher about for people who might need to um, think about play in a different way, maybe to prioritize play. Um, as we grow older, we tend to lose that feeling of zest that we mm. that comes so naturally in children. So even if we watch puppies or we watch kids playing. We can see like the joy that they feel and we can maybe tap into some of that. I think having like awe, gratitude, appreciation for life, it just it just changes things up and it does make you like more playful. 
even in the hardest times, I think that plays something to really value because it lays down a foundation of goodness so that if we have a, a mm. sad or a hard time, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna... we don't fall as far down. Okay, so I want you to, to dive into that a little more about the foundation of goodness that play creates. What does that mean? So if we look at um, positive psychology, one of the things is we study the science of happiness, well-being, and flourishing, as you well know. And um, when we strive for flourishing, that is something that really can help us, and play does offer that. If we're if we look at a number line and we're at zero, right? We're maybe just languishing. We're not depressed, but we're just like maybe doing okay, but not necessarily as okay as we could be. We can do maybe things that we can lift up our mental health and our our physical and emotional and psychological well being. And when we lay down that foundation by adding a more playful mindset, again, adding mm. curiosity, adding creativity, adding appreciation. It helps us to move up toward flourishing. And that way, if we do if we do have something sad, maybe we go down to languishing, but not into a depression. Okay. So so I'm hearing you said so so zero is kind of that baseline. I'm not I'm not depressed. I'm not I'm not below zero but I'm not really thriving and flourishing either. And so through play, I might go from zero to say five or seven. And when something difficult happens, maybe I end up back at zero, but I'm not below zero. It's like a cushion or a boost. I love that. That helps exactly. me weather. Yeah, it helps me weather those storms. That is so, so good. So when you mentioned, um, you know, you, you mentioned your co-author growing up in a household where the, her mom was, you know, introduced a lot of games and kind of incorporated that. What is the importance of that for uh, for children and for families to have a playful atmosphere in the household? Yeah, I think that it it promotes like a cohesion, a togetherness, mm-hmm. like an appreciation for you know, things that are simple. So uh, one one example is that Andrea gives, which I really envy, is that she, her mom would celebrate everything. So when she got her braces off her teeth, they had a party and her mom got her all her favorite candies. And it also creates memories, right? <laughs> of beautiful, fun times together that it kind of, as a family, it helps you to grow together and, and to find more good. You know, and, and like we learned in positive psychology about the broaden and build theory, right? We, we can uh, spiral up to more goodness. And I think that also that when you have a family that is playful, that they're exemplars and we can like role model and, and learn from those families yeah, that, and um, yeah. just grow that way. So let's go back to something you just said, because I know broaden and build, but everybody doesn't know broaden and build and, and play can contribute to that. So Explain what you mean when you say, you know, we can use this idea of broaden and build. Um, so a uh, researcher, Dr. Barbara Fredrickson, wrote um, a great book about positivity and about love. And her idea is that, um, and her research, she's the, I guess, the leader in positive emotions. Yes, she she's my favorite. <laughs> that, she's so amazing, right? So, uh, Dr. Fredrickson talks about how when we um, have these positive emotions, it increases our repertoire 
of goodness, right? That we uh, increase our resources, our emotional, our uh, social resources, our personal resources, and just it helps lift us up in so many ways that we open. And rather than like looking narrowly through something, we're able because of that what the negativity bias that we all kind of have. That's like a primitive kind of survival mechanism. But when we can open and see broader broader or broadly i should say we, we're able to take more in and be able to like um again she talks about an upward spiral of goodness it kind of um just lays upon each other to help us to again like you said weather storms and also flourish in the world yeah. so what do, what do you think ex- about it well i think it's exciting as we talk about broadening we know that positive emotion broadens our scope of thinking meaning you see a bigger perspective. You are able then to make better decisions. Um, and that negativity bias you mentioned, you know, when something negative happens, if you've ever had that in a relationship where it happens too much, all you can see is the negative from that person, right? So they could be doing other good things. You can't see those at some point <laughs> because you're so right. frustrated. You're, it actually narrows your scope of thinking. So when we are broadening, that's really, really important because it keeps us open. It keeps us seeing options. It keeps us seeing the good, um, the gratitude that we have. And that builds up our resilience. It literally builds up like a cushion over time that positive emotion does so that when we're dealing with something that is negative, it's like we're landing on more of a cushion, like a mattress. Um, I absolutely love that. And so play in itself, you mentioned the bonding. And I think it's really interesting that research shows in general, okay, these are generalities, that as women, we tend to bond through connection, like face-to-face, talking, connecting. And men are more likely to bond side-by-side through play, which we often think of, you know, boys wrestling and playing video games and even grown men playing basketball or golf or those things, that it actually creates bonds in the relationship. So when you mention about families bonding through play, I can't help but think about the fact that oftentimes we, we're we thinking about bonding, we're not thinking about play and what we could do differently. I'm thinking about right now the other ways that this kind of bonding can be powerful. And I know you're also working on a book about the power of play at work. What kinds of things can we do in the workplace to introduce an attitude of play and help create better bonds in the workplace? Yeah, I think it's really important um, in any kind of workplace. It's great to infuse some more fun and play. I know that our uh, colleague, Catherine Britton, who um, is was in our first MAP class, a brilliant uh, author and former engineer for IBM, talks about how they had a play culture and she'd be sitting at her desk and there'll be like nerf balls whizzing by her head, which, she, you know, I mean, she didn't really like that that much, she says, but, you know, it's just like they tried to adopt it. So again, play something that can't be forced. It should be kind of uh, attuned to the environment. It should be um, something, I don't even want to say should, it can be something that really nurtures and again bonds people together helps us think on a more creative and higher level and just one more thought is i i'm working with some um 
students, uh, including a mentee from Columbia University, who's researching play right now. And she works for a corporation, and it's a pretty big corporation. And she introduced the idea of play. They loved it. But once it got to the higher up people, they said, no, we can't have play here. We need to call this flow or something else because we're not a work culture. You know, you bring up something very interesting because it's very real. You said once it got to the highest level, they said, well, it can't be play. we got to call it flow or something else, right? And flow is important. I actually, that's one of the happiness triggers that I list, but it's not Absolutely. the same as play. We can get into flow while we're playing, but why is it, do you think, that people, especially serious people, discount play as a valid form of increasing well-being and and productivity in the workplace? Why is play discounted in your estimation? Because I think that's, a, I think it's an important mental shift. If you don't think it's important or valid or serious, then you won't do it and you won't make it a priority. Yeah. I mean, there's a tremendous, that's such a great question. There's such a an increase in burnout of people in the workplace. And um, I, I actually spoke with a, a, a psychologist who was with the practice and she said it was terrible that it was so serious that she left to go on her own because she has more opportunities to play. So I think mm. that it's visionary to see play, right? We have that that kind of work ethic where we value work so much. And then it's kind of weird because traditionally people worked and worked and then they retired and that was that was it. Then you could play or you could contribute or you could die, right? So if you can kind Pretty of much. incorporate <laughs> those micro moments of play even into your most serious day, it's going to make, you know, it kind of sets you free. It connects yeah. you. I, We want to be with people who are fun, right? And we want to be able to just shift, as you said, that, that mental framework. One of the things I see about you is that play and making everything fun has energized you. It has given you such a youthful um, spirit and attitude that I think is very inspiring. Um, and contagious. So I'm just excited to see that. It inspires me as I, as you know, I had a big birthday this year, <laughs> turning 50. Um, and I'm always looking at women who are a little ahead of me, who are really making an impact and living on purpose and refusing to say that somehow getting older is a negative, but instead that it's a blessing. And there's so much more ahead that it really is true that the best can be yet to come, but we have to believe it. Is there anything you can offer in that arena around the power of play as we get older? Again, having a plain mindset, and it, I think it really matters because as we said earlier, zest kind of goes down. And then we people are getting older, right? It's the research shows that about 10,000 people a year, uh, no, a day, 10,000 people a day are turning 65, right? So as people Those get baby older- baby boomers, we never and, thought they were going to yeah. get to 65. <laughs> I think that that play just like it makes uh, exuberance more likely. I think moving our body shifts everything, Val. Yeah. Um, we did Is the that energy what human break. psychology 
I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. I was going to say, um, you know, in, in our long days of map training, where we'd be sitting yes. for eight hours, and our, our friend Susie Pledge was like, why don't you need an energy break? And I don't know if everybody loved it, that. but I know my brain like kind of shifted and I was able to get that brain uh, derived neurotropic factor to help us make those connections. So I think uh, movement, human movement psychology looks at performance, um, very uh, sport-based, but also around how we use our movement in every day. And we look at positive psychological skills training, like imagery. Um, we look at how about like what you do, you know, with SWA, with the vision board, right? That we're using our imagery, our, our senses to help us to grow. Um, so that mindset, um, so many skills that really help us to have performance every day because we use our bodies and why not use them to help us to help our mind, help our community, help each other. Love it. Elaine. Thank you so much. Um, I know you've got a lot of things going on. I want people to know how they can reach you. So Dr. Elaine O'Brien, author, co-author of The Power of Play, Max Optimize, I said maximize, optimize your joy potential. You've got a Power of Play fun tracker, and I know you've also got um, a new program that you can tell us about. So where can they find you? Where can they find the fun tracker and the new program? The Power of Play is available on on Amazon. And if you put the power play O'Brien, you'll find that. Um, if you go to our website, it's powerofplay.fun. And remember the fun. <laughs> you can um, sign up and get uh, our free fun tracker, which lists a lot of the uh, fun activities that we have in our book. And you can just check them off. It gives you so many great tools to be able to um, explore and aspire to new ways to play. Um, and I think um, if you want to email me, Elaine, E-L-A-I-N-E-O-B at P-C-O-M dot E-D-U um, is a great way to um, to reach me as well. And I'm writing right now the uh, power play at work. So if you have any ideas that would like to email me and Val, you are my inspiration and you are my joy. Really uh, <laughs> adore you. So Thank Thanks you. And so congratulations much. on this book. I know it's going to help a lot of people. The power of play. Play is one of my favorite, favorite happiness triggers. I often joke uh, about things I do just for fun, just to play, not to be good at it, like tennis, which I'm terrible at, but it sure is fun. <laughs> it's, a lot, it's a lot of good cardio. <laughs> you know, I think when we give ourselves permission to do things just for the fun of it, it relieves some of that pressure because there are things we need to be really good at in order to be successful. But there are some things we can do just for the joy without any of that pressure of performance. And to think that we actually build that positive emotion that helps us to be successful at the things we do need to be good at. That's kind of fun. So uh, Elaine, <laughs> thank you so much for joining me. And thank you so much for sharing some of these great ideas around how we can use the power of play to be more successful and more joyful in our own lives. What a treat, my joy. Thank you so much, Val. Thank you so much for listening. My goal with this podcast is to give you bite-sized strategies to help you close the gap between where you are and where you really want to be. But if you're looking for some more in-depth help, then I invite you to join us in the Successful Women's Academy. 
Each month in SWA, I give you the tools you need to coach yourself to conquer the fears, habits, and distractions that threaten to get in the way of your biggest dreams, sabotage your joy, and keep you from being the best version of yourself. You can find out more by visiting ValerieBurton.com forward slash SWA. I'll see you in the next episode of the Successful Women Think Differently podcast. Podcast.